First of all, congrats to last week's winner in the WGT Challenge. That is Daniel Langwich. Hey. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, you got the closest out of anyone, so make sure you email Lindsay. That's L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y at bsndenver.com. Let her know you are the winner, and she will make sure that you get taken care of with your prize. And folks, we are down to the last week of the WGT Challenge. Your very last chance to get in to win our grand prize, which is tickets to a game or a jersey of your choice, any player. And all you got to do is play once to be involved in the drawing. So you can join right now. Go to freewgt.com and download and send us a screenshot this week. If you haven't done it, that's okay. You still have a chance to get a raffle ticket in the bin. So make sure you go to freewgt.com and play along with us this week. And this week's hole, we're going back to the original hole. The very first one we did, Pebble Beach, hole number three on the closest to the hole challenge. Get it close. One of you will probably knock it in. Uh, but make sure you get it tight and send your screenshots at dnvr underscore broncos. And we'll... Say good luck to whoever may win our grand prize. All right, let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curves from mile high. The best part of the weekend, hugging a perfect stranger as they become a friend. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee and Mace, who was on an early flight in from Orlando, a little uh, family vacation this weekend. Probably going to need some Strava Craft Coffee today. Yeah, been a long day for me already, and I want to be in, able to enjoy tonight's Patriots-Jets game. Strava Craft Coffee, it doesn't get just get your day started. It can revive your day. So I'm sure later on this afternoon, so I am uh, able to be alert and enjoy tonight's Monday Night Football game. you got Sam Darnold coming back from Mono on one side, a potential destination for Emmanuel Sanders, the Patriots, Adam Gase, of course, coaching the Jets. So a lot of things that have Broncos past and present and future implications. I want to watch that game. I want to enjoy it. And Strava Craft Coffee is going to help me get through that game, even when I'm still on very little sleep. And if you want to be like Mason, don't we all? Make sure you use the code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your entire purchase of the delicious Strava Craft Coffee. And speaking of Emmanuel Sanders' trade destinations... That has really heated up over the last 24 hours, and it seems all but a foregone conclusion that Emmanuel Sanders will no longer be a Bronco at the very latest by next Tuesday's trade deadline. And boys, I think this is for the best. It's been a fun run, Emmanuel, but I think he's even happy about this news coming out on social media, posting some um, not direct things about being traded, but he's posted a gif of him looking interested in it. So he's open to it. The Broncos are open to it, and it needs to happen before eight days from now. Yeah, as uh, the former Florida AD Jeremy Foley used to say, what will be done eventually must be done immediately. 
So if you've got a good enough offer, and there appear to be suitors to the point where you can get a day-two pick for Emmanuel Sanders, you get an offer that fits what you want that is a day-two pick, I think you go ahead and pull the trigger. What if he goes out there in practice and gets hurt? I mean, last year he tore his Achilles during a Wednesday practice. Mm-hmm. Ryan's touching touch wood for you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't run that risk. If you've got an offer that fits what you want, and I think day two pick is what you want here. There are multiple teams interested in Emmanuel Sanders. Go ahead and do that. Send him on his way. You don't have to wait for the last minute right before the deadline. There's no reason not to do it now if you've already decided he's not part of our future plans. Completely agree. And and now this is where John Elway gets to uh, make a futures bet because what he should do, is take the best offer from the team that he believes is the worst, even with the Manuel Sanders. So whether that may be the Eagles, who are you know having a bit of a rough go of things right now, they can't protect Carson Wentz. Maybe it's the Raiders who have deter- who have determined that they are buyers at this deadline, despite getting shellacked yesterday, and despite selling Gary and Connolly. Yeah, clearly, you know that's. It sounds like that's the first move of many for them kind of opening things up to go make some other moves. But if they are buyers, I would be looking there. Maybe uh, the Patriots, who covet Emmanuel Sanders, are saying, we're willing to give a second-round pick. Whatever it may be, you make your bet on the what you think is going to be the highest value. Forget about your allegiances. Forget about your division. Forget about your rivalries. Start focusing on the future. Okay, then let me toss out a team here. Carolina. How much do you believe in Kyle Allen? Is this for real? Is he legit? Or is he due for some regression to the mean? And also, you take a look at the schedule that looms for the Carolina Panthers over the next 10 games. They're at San Francisco next week. They play Tennessee at home. Then at Green Bay, they still have two games left with the Saints a Week 16 game at Indianapolis, Week 15 at home to Seattle. So you may look at a team like Carolina and say, well, this is probably a 5-5 five and five team the rest of the way. And a team like the Panthers, if they offer you a 3 and New England offers you a 3, you may say, well, I think Carolina is more likely to be, to, to be 10 picks higher or so and take that deal. With the Patriots, I'm kind of with you. If they come calling... It's got to be a two. Yep. Ca- Carolina's the clear and obvious choice for the best team to trade with because, no, I don't trust Kyle Allen. And m- maybe it's that I don't – it's not that I don't trust him. It's look at the other teams uh, that, that may be in the market for Emmanuel Sanders. It's the Patriots. I know we all trust them. It's the Texans. Will Fuller just went down. He could be out for, for six weeks. Why not just – two trades that the Broncos capitalized on Will Fuller yes. injuries? <laughs> <laughs> They're a team who I like – to, I think they'll do better than Carolina. Um, and then San Francisco, potentially. Um, it, all of these other teams, the Packers, I trust them more than Carolina, so that would be ideal. But my question, which I think is answered by both of you, was going to be, are there any teams that are off limits? And no. uh, nope. I think the clear answer is absolutely not. You just take the best offer that's out there, and you don't wait around. Now, maybe the Broncos are waiting around today until tomorrow on Tuesday after the Patriots play today. They want to get the the Patriots' best offer. You tell the Patriots, hey, congratulations on being so great, 
It means that if you want to get into this conversation, you have to give us a second round pick. And if the Patriots are willing to pull that trigger, go for it. Have no aversion to that. Forget about oh, the Patriots, you know, are are or were a rival. They're not a rival anymore for the Broncos. The Patriots have sailed away. Broncos Patriots hasn't really meant anything since the AFC Championship game back in January of 2015. You are not in the same flight, to use a golf term, as the New England Patriots anymore. So what they do, it's not a concern to you. If you can get a second, obviously it doesn't matter from what team. That's a great trade. If you can get a third, in my opinion, I don't care who it's from, that's a great trade. Uh, It's reported that the Broncos want a day two pick, but I just come back to, can they get it? And it's kind of been a foregone, people are talking about like it's a foregone conclusion. Of course they can. But if you look at Emmanuel's stats this year, they wouldn't necessarily point to being able to easily get a day two pick. No, but I think it's the number of teams that are considering Emmanuel Sanders. That's what this is about. You're trying to see where the market can be driven. It's exactly what it is. I mean, if a team, if a player demands a trade and there's only two or three teams that want him, well, then you have no leverage. The Broncos, in many, many ways, have done a great job of managing um, uh, Emmanuel in the public eye. And Emmanuel's done a great job of managing Emmanuel in the public eye. He hasn't demanded a trade now, or at least publicly. Now, that helps everyone in this scenario because the Broncos can say, look, we don't have to trade Emmanuel Sanders. We like Emmanuel Sanders. He's uh, an important you know, piece of our offense, but hey, make us an offer we can't refuse. And if there's six different teams, well, when the Patriots call and they offer a third, well, then you call back the Patriots and you say, hey, Carolina just offered a third. You know and I know that Carolina's third is higher than your third's going to end up being. So what do you got? Show us a second. You know, the Broncos already have three picks as it stands today in the top 75. If they could somehow make that four, now you're talking about really having the pieces to do what you want in this year's draft. Is it three picks or four picks? Do they already have four in the because top Because they 70? have two third-rounders, right? Because they have a right, third right, round yeah, next uh, year. Yeah, four in the, so you can get up to five in the top 75. And that gives you capital that you may need if you're going to move up because if indeed you do find out about Drew Locke and say, okay, this is good, but we need to be back in the quarterback market come next year's draft – you need all the ammunition you can get. So, how much does this hurt the Broncos this year? Because, Ryan, you and I were very vocal all throughout training camp in the beginning of the season, um, and when Mace joined, he was as well, that Emmanuel Sanders is the most important player to this offense. So, what does it mean for this offense losing him? It means um, a lot uh, because it's going to instantly – vault Cortland Sutton into being the team's number one wide receiver, which is going to make teams say, okay, I'll take away Cortland Sutton going in on their game plan. Who else? Who else catches passes for this team? Uh, running Royce backs. Freeman. Running backs, yep. yeah. So now Royce Freeman is going to end up leading the team in receptions. Yep. Here's um, another thing to consider. If you do trade Emmanuel Sanders, we all agree that one of the spots for players coming off IR has to be for Drew Locke. Yes. That's not a question. The second one, I think, is going to be either Tim Patrick or Theo Riddick. Tim Patrick still has a brace on his wrist. Theo Riddick has played wide receiver in his football past, can run wide receiver routes. I think Theo Riddick becomes effectively 
a wide receiver. Slot receiver. Yep. And speaking of Drew Locke, when, when I brought up Emmanuel Sanders' name in, in trades about a month ago, both of you said, whoa, you can't take him away from Drew Locke. If, if the season's going down this route, you can't take him away from Drew Locke. You seem to have changed tones on that, and why? Well, I think Emmanuel Sanders' tone over the last few weeks has become that of a player who wants out. And if a player wants to leave, then why are you clinging to him, especially somebody who I think can be a negative influence in the locker room? And Emmanuel Sanders, when things are going well and when there's an alpha quarterback in the building, Emmanuel Sanders, absolutely you want him on your team. When you had Peyton Manning, you want Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders has been a little bit of a problem, even though, even though he's been productive since then. If he hasn't been getting the ball, he's been frustrated. Most of these teams we're talking about in terms of the trade market, Tom Brady in New England, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. The Saints are playing Teddy Bridgewater right now, but they'll probably have Drew Brees back in at some point. Really, everybody but Carolina with Kyle Allen has an alpha quarterback that can, I guess you could say, contain Emmanuel Sanders if things go awry. The, go, to go back to your question about Drew Locke, I felt that way for a while until new information came to light. Uh, and I'll just put it as simply as possible. It's just that Emmanuel Sanders is not a good presence in the locker room right now. And um, he's frustrated, and, and that's understandable. He's, he, you know, he hasn't been involved, and he's clearly involved in some of these trade talks. And I think it's just better for everyone to move on. And here's also a thing with Emmanuel is he has not been a big part of the Broncos game plan. And that's probably frustrated him to an extent. But also the Broncos are saying, we don't need you anymore. So why, if you can go get a third round pick, if you can go get a second round pick, maybe you settle for a fourth round pick, whatever it is, why would you keep someone around that's not happy? That also you are saying, we don't really want you here. In fact, we know you have no future here, so we are phasing you out. In yeah. Emmanuel's last three games, he had one target, one catch for nine yards against the Chargers. Two weeks ago, three targets, one catch for zero yards. Last week, six targets, five catches, 60 yards. That averages out to 2.3 catches for 23 yards per game. It's time to move on yeah and not being involved with a couple of of those game plans behind the scenes Emmanuel Sanders made his frustrations known in no uncertain terms about that and where this is going it just seems an awful lot like Brandon Lloyd back in 2011 the offense was struggling even before Tim Tebow came in Eric Decker was kind of moving past Brandon Lloyd in terms of prominence in the offense. And then when Tebow came in, Lloyd made it clear he wanted no part of that. And the Broncos obliged and sent him packing to the then St. Louis Rams. That's what this situation feels like to me. Yeah, this situation is... It's not going to be as pretty of a breakup uh, as I think some fans might want. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. I'm just saying, keep an eye on it. Remember what happened when DT left. The, the DT, the true Bronco, the guy that didn't talk much. Well, 
he certainly was chirping like a canary. As uh, who who said Joe that? D. Joe Joe D said singing like a canary. <laughs> singing singing like a canary. That first press conference he had back in Houston after he got traded. Whew! Explosive. You think that was explosive? Imagine what Emmanuel's first press conference is going to be like <laughs> with a new team. No, it'll be. Uh, I'm gonna wait. I'm if, gonna wait. I'm not gonna. You know what? I'm not gonna go there right if, now. If it's in New England, let's just say maybe the, maybe it won't be explosive. Maybe there won't be a press conference. Period. <laughs> right. If he's a Patriot. Right. He's just gonna say nothing with a little smirk on his face. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> Ryan, one of the teams you mentioned, uh, two of the teams that we talked about was the Raiders and the Packers vying for Emmanuel. And hey. They both played yesterday, and we diagnosed this game right on. All three of us took the Packers to beat the Raiders by six or more, and, boy, the line should have been 60. Yeah, we all picked that one. It was pretty obvious. I have no idea why the Raiders are buying. They've messed this entire thing up. The biggest problem on their team, wide receivers and pass rushers. Oh, who did they trade away last year? Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. <laughs> Broncos maybe have a wide receiver and the pass rusher on the market. Yep. By the way, uh, Darren Waller, that dude might be the first player ever to get super hyped up on hard knocks and actually be better than he looked on the show. <laughs> he was a beast yesterday. Two touchdowns over 100 yards. Whew. Crazy. And and. It brings back flashbacks, obviously, of the Broncos just not being able to cover tight end. That's like the one thing the Packers couldn't do. They couldn't cover Waller. And speaking of, everyone likes to throw darts at, at uh, old Vance Joseph. <laughs> do you know how many s- strip sacks the Arizona Cardinals have this year? No, I have no idea. They have 10 strip sacks. Ooh. 10 strip sacks. Over one per game. Yep. So, anyways. <laughs> and they're 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. They have a better record than the Broncos with significantly less talent. Are they on a three-game win streak? Did they start 0-3-1? Yes, they so. did. Yeah. And Ooh. the other thing, they finally shut down a tight end. Evan Ingram yeah, I didn't did even, nothing. That yesterday. was like a big reason why the line, because you know, Saquon came back and Ingram came back and one other dude came back and everyone thought, oh, Danny Dimes and the boys are going to get right against the Cardinals. And my Cardinals said no 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 trending up let's talk about team a team that is trending down the los angeles chargers went into tennessee what a crazy crazy end to that game chargers they just charge right on lose the game in crazy fashion of all the chargers losses that was the chargeriest <laughs> if that's a word do you want to it just now in case you didn't in case you missed it in case you missed it the chargers score a touchdown Nope. Reviewed. There's 37 seconds on the clock. Apparently, inside two minutes, if a player is ruled down short of the end zone, uh, but it was called a touchdown, they have to run off 10 seconds. So it should have gone down to 27 seconds. For some reason, Mike Vrabel is so convinced that they're going to go score a touchdown, he needs more time. He calls a timeout because the Chargers are out of timeouts. So they keep free 10 seconds for Mike Vrabel. Then they false start on the next play, so they're back five yards. Then they draw a DPI in the end zone. They're back to the one-yard line. Then they score again, reviewed. Then this time there's 30, 32 seconds on the clock. This time Vrabel lets the 10 seconds run off. Now there's 22 seconds on the clock. They run the ball again with Melvin Gordon. He fumbles the ball. The Titans recover it, and they lose. In, all while down three 
points. This was for the game. They could have tied it. Yep. At yeah. worst comes to worst, they could have tied the game on a field. And they were playing with this like weird desperation as if they needed to score. And also, did you know that Phillip Rivers, during his time in the league, has done the least QB sneaks of anyone? Like, he just, I think... Simply won't sneak. He doesn't want to sneak, ever. I don't want to ever see Phillip Rivers sneak. I can only imagine how weird it would look. The, the QB sneak, even though Patrick Mahomes got injured on one last Thursday, the QB sneak on third and short or fourth and short is the most reliable play to move the chains in the entire sport. How, how do you stop it? it? If you do it right. Yes, if you do it right, it's a guaranteed yard. I mean, I guess, I guess speaking of that, with Ryan Tannehill, right before the Chargers took over and mm-hmm. almost scored about 700 times, he couldn't even get inches on a quarterback sneak. Well, again, it's the you know, 75 80% type play, but there's that other 20 or 25% when the execution is just piss poor, like it was for the Titans. You know, when I watched that Chargers ending last night, I thought, these losses, I thought they only happened to the Bucks. No, <laughs> happened to the Chargers too. The Chargers might be out. What was the line? The Bucks. Titans by two, and they won by three. three. <laughs> yep, we and all we- took the Chargers, so we all got beat by one point. Wow, we really should have won that. <laughs> we should have, but the Chargers went and charged for us in the final game, not necessarily of the weekend. You both took the Chiefs with three and a half, or the Broncos with three and a half points. I took the Chiefs. I got one up on both of you. So, Ryan, you and I are tied at 14 and 15. And, Mace, you're a couple games behind. I'll leave out the record. Thanks. (laughs) Because it's more than a couple. (laughs) All right, before we move on here, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. When your team loses by 30 points to a backup quarterback, what do you need? Beer. Lots of it. (laughs) Shout out to Breckenridge Beer. Um, They are awesome. And I think I feel like everyone's everyone just had a bad football weekend. Like my buffs, they got crushed again by Washington State. All the listeners, their Broncos got killed last night. Allie's Eagles got destroyed by the Cowboys. It's just not uh, not a exciting week. CSU didn't even play. I guess that's a, a win for them because they about, couldn't lose. Right? Hey, how about Air Force? Yes, the Zoomies. Yes, best team in Colorado. Yep, that Football is team. undoubtable yeah. for sure. Um, but anyways, the Avs, the Avs, and if you like the Avs, Avalanche Amber Ale is the one for you. <laughs> anyways, love you, Breckenridge Brewery. And boy, after that sort of weekend, Ryan, I think you need a little bit more than just <laughs> some good old Breckenridge brews. So make sure you check out the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flower, flower, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to your closest green solution for pickup. That's mygreensolution.com. And make sure you use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right. Well, it's been a while since we hopped on this podcast. And in turn, we have many, many questions to get to. So let's waste no time before hopping in and letting the people voice their opinions. 
First one coming in from Orange and Blue. Stewie says, wow, what a pathetic showing. If the Broncos don't activate Locke, it will be madness, and I will likely be on the Elway out bandwagon. I am okay with toughing out another season of suck if we at least have something in Locke. We now need to start evaluating who else is on the lifeboat. So question, should we start being concerned about our coaching team, particularly on offense? My head says it is still too early to judge, and the personnel isn't exactly helping but doubt is starting to creep in as ever appreciate your hard work let's hope for a better time soon wow um while i don't think it's advisable to change the scheme and the offensive coaching yet again because you have had four different coordinators in the last four seasons are you getting the sense listening to vic fangio talk about the offense that he is less than thrilled with how it's being guided and what the scheme is? I mean, I'm sure he is. Um, you know, even last year for Vic Fangio with Mitch frickin' Trubisky as their starting quarterback, their offense did more than enough for his defense to shine. And obviously Vic's defense did not necessarily do their part on Thursday night. But, I mean, I watch these teams play, and I just don't understand – how in today's day and age you don't want to run the air raid offense or some some version of the spread. Something that gives the quarterback more options, a chance to take the play beyond the design and make it something organic, something unpredictable. The best seasons of which Vic Fangio was a part this decade were with Colin Kaepernick quarterback in San Francisco. So he saw a fairly a fairly flexible dynamic scheme in Chicago last year he saw what Colin Kaepernick and that scheme in San Francisco could do sometimes listening to Vic I wonder if he's really sold on the offense and the scheme that he has here how could you be and real quick let me just add that the Bears running their version of the Kansas City offense look absolutely god well you have right to now, run so. the ball from time to time <laughs> and you also have to and have that's a where quarterback. they're yeah exactly and their strength of the bears right now would be getting the ball to their running backs right yeah they had seven runs on sunday against new orleans yeah. seven and it's not like the game was a blowout all the way through what was it uh 12 10 19 10 early in the second half no reason to abandon what you're doing to, to folk. To, no reason to go away from what you should do best. Their play calling was absurdly bad yesterday. Mace, the reason why Vic may not be too happy about this offense and the scheme is one they're not producing, and two, this isn't his offense. This is what John Elway wants. And when John Elway hired Vic, John probably said, okay, we're running this offense. I don't care who we hire. We're running this offense. Are you okay with it? And Vic probably had to say yes to get the and, job. And maybe Joe Flacco was kind of the carrot that was dangled to Vic Fangio because he did have some familiarity with him. It's one hell of a carrot. Back in Baltimore. <laughs> Big one. Like, okay, well, you can get a quarterback that you know and you appear to like personally. Yeah. But, but oh, my gosh, I mean, that's another topic because I think Joe Flacco in so many ways is the wrong guy for this team. I mean, here's the thing is of all the indictments of this offensive staff, and I'm a very big believer that – you have to eventually commit to someone. Like, at some point, you have to give someone time. And I think Rich Gangarello and Vic Fangio can eventually figure this thing out together. But to me, one of the biggest indictments of this offensive staff is they, they loved Joe Flacco, publicly and privately. 
They loved Joe Flacco. They thought that he was going to be the perfect fit for this team. And as I watched them on offense, I'm thinking, it's not all on Joe. But Joe Flacco is significantly hindering what this offense can do by just not being able to move. He's a statue. The book is out on Joe Flacco. It was out in Baltimore even last year in late in 2017. Get pressure on him, particularly from up the middle, and watch, and, and watch him crumble because he doesn't have the escapability anymore. So you're going to continue to see teams overload pressure on him until they adapt and adjust. You're also going to continue to see Joe be Joe. Vic was asked about, you know, Joe's lackadaisical attitude and, and being melancholy when the team's down and not fired up. And he said, that's Joe. So when, when, when he's good, he's going to be calm. When he's bad, he's going to be calm. And get used to that for the rest of his career. And, and that means he's the wrong guy for this team because you have a team that is getting younger that – I think would respond better to somebody with more fire, more flair, more leadership, the emotions on the surface, more leadership, and not going to the bench. I mean, how many times did we see Joe Flacco go to the bench on Thursday night and just sit by himself? He's the quarterback. He shouldn't be doing that. If only there was a guy that was the opposite of this on this or in this organization. He's coming. <laughs> He's coming. Next one's from Iceman. Hey boys, thanks for the late night pod. Uh, I can't make a family-friendly comment this morning on the DNVR network, so maybe next week. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Hopefully later on uh, this week you'll join us. Thanks. Appreciate your comment, Iceman, from Swansea Bronco. And is this Swansea in Wales? Probably. I wonder. If so, that's awesome. Love uh, hearing from you wherever you're from. Is it bad that Fangio lost me in this game? He made some terrible play calls, and there seems to be zero dynamism on the field or on the sideline. It felt like Wadman had more touches than Phil. The offensive line looked lost and passive. Major reset needed. On the plus side, Simmons had a good game and made an impact. Locke has the most upside on IR and has to come in as soon as he can. Otherwise, it will be a lost season in his development. Bowles' incredulous reaction to his holding penalties was borderline offensive. He does not learn, and along with Leary, he is a key component in the revolving door offensive line. 1.20 a.m. kickoff time in the U.K., so apologies if this is too negative. So he is from Wales. Keep up the great work, guys. Okay. Quickly on Locke. Mace, you're, you're rocking the uh, Drew Locke, Missouri outfit today. <laughs> what, what's that all about? Oh, you know, one of the schools I went to. Not a coincidence. <sighs> it was a, I, I, I thought, okay, this is going to be my travel outfit for the weekend. Um, I am thinking that I want to see Drew Locke. I want to see... Trying little, to will it into existence. Yes, I want to see that tiger intensity that Drew Locke brought. I want to see the fire. I want to see the leadership. And you know, one thing you heard about Drew Locke time and again talking about him at Mizzou was his leadership, including in some tough times, like right after uh, the protest that went on a few years ago when he was a freshman, and he helped kind of bring the locker room together, and they pulled off an upset at BYU that weekend uh, when the Mizzou campus and even the football program was in a state of chaos. And Drew Locke, as a freshman, was a rallying point and a stabilizing force. So I want to see Drew Locke get in there. I want to see some pizzazz, you know, it's some fire from the quarterback position. You know what I was thinking this weekend as I watched football? Even Daniel Jones, who we saw with our own eyes, was significantly worse than Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. He's got as many wins this season as Joe Flacco does. 
<laughs> he's two and three, in fact. He has a better winning percentage than Joe Flacco. Now, would you say Gardner Minshew was worse than Drew Locke down the senior bowl? I would. Okay. For sure. He also has. Does he have three? Yeah, he's got three wins because they got, won yesterday in Cincinnati. He's got more <laughs> wins than Joe Flacco. Kyler Murray, who is probably better than Drew Locke, uh, also has three wins. And I'm seeing all these guys. And, and yeah, Daniel Jones, he was my least favorite of any of the quarterbacks taken early. He also has seven turnovers in the last three games. He's not looking great. But at least you're seeing things. Like, he threw a, he had a throw uh, to the tight end yesterday. That I was like, wow, that's an incredible throw. Now, Noah Fant may or may not have actually kept his hands on it if he was the tight end. But I just – I'm seeing all these guys out there succeeding – and I'm seeing the future for these teams, and I'm sick of watching the Broncos trot out Joe Flacco. Now, what are those teams doing for those quarterbacks? They're giving them game plans that play to their strengths. Yep. So I want to see Drew Locke out there, but I want to see Rich Gangarello play to his strengths. I don't want to watch this same passive drop back offense I want to see more shotgun I want to see more moving pockets I want to see Drew Locke with the ability to quickly and and the decisiveness that they empower him with to say okay if it's not there in two and a half seconds you take off and run for five yards because if you do that then you're going to take a little bit of the edge off the pass rush and then you're going to help the guys up front it all works. Yeah, I was talking to someone this morning, and, and I was saying how I want Drew Locke in week 11, and they said, yeah, but uh, the Vikings have maybe the best edge rush duo in the entire league. And I said, cool. Even more reason for them to put a game plan together that gets the ball out quickly. You know, you saw uh, uh, Rich Gangarello and Kyle Shanahan put together a plan for Nick Mullins to go mm-hmm. up against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb last year. Yes. Do that. And this scheme, we saw this scheme back in 2012 with Kyle Shanahan, obviously not Scangarello, but this scheme get radically altered for RG3. So don't tell me you can't remake this scheme for Drew Locke's strengths as a rookie. It can be done. We've got to stop having this conversation soon, and I hope the Broncos allow us to stop having the conversation because it's so clear and obvious what the Broncos need to do, and that's play Drew Locke as soon as possible. My guess is it's not going to be as soon as possible, which will be week 11 right after the bye. But you've got to see him because there's no disagreements anymore. And that's when the conversation should stop is when everyone's in agreement. It just seems like the only people that aren't in agreement are the ones over at Dove Valley. And I certainly hope they join our side soon. The only one we know for sure isn't in agreement is Rich Gangarello. We haven't heard anything definitively from anyone else. Well, if you really wanted him and you wanted him to come back as soon as possible, you would have, quote-unquote, practiced him last week. Or you wouldn't have put him in IR to begin with. Ah, just as I was saying. Meanwhile, Bryce Callahan is, you know, sitting there on the 53-man roster just taking up space. Here's Dealing a, with the foot problem, la-di-da. Real quick, if you want to know why Drew Locke can't play until week 11, make sure you go check out Zach's story on thednvr.com. He kind of gets into the weeds and into the details there. But for me, this is so clear. Play him in week 11. I realize it's a tough environment. At least you know it's going to be good conditions. It's indoors. You don't have to worry about that because Buffalo the next week <laughs> might not be able to make the same promise. And you know what? Against that same Viking defense, remember Josh Allen getting thrown out there last year with the Bills yeah. and how he played? And he had some mobility. And or his mobility discombobulated that Vikings pass rush. There you go. Hmm? 
Next one coming in from DP3107 says, guys, I feel like an idiot. As a Broncos fan in the KC Metro, I really thought the Broncos could finally win. It's not just that they lost. It's that they were dominated by the worst defense in the league. This is a defense that hadn't had a sack in two and a half games. In fact, they didn't even get a hit on the quarterback last week against Houston. This loss is so bad. Someone has to lose their job. I know this won't happen, but Rich Gangarello has to go. This offense has looked abysmal. It's not working. I sat there watching some of these play calls, and I was baffled by the lack of creativity and game planning. Phil Lindsay is as dynamic as a player as there is in this league, and we are not utilizing him correctly. The Broncos use Phil like he is built like Derrick Henry. Phil should be getting the ball in space and letting him do his thing. Ultimately, again, John Elway created this mess. I just looked at this team last night with a lack, with a lack of urgency, no emotion, or fire. Again, a message has to be sent. Someone has to go today by noon. Take your pick. Scangarello, Garrett Bowles, Ron Leary, Flacco, someone has to lose their job. They all kept their jobs as of the day after the game, so no changes yet. I, I don't want to see Garrett Bowles in the starting lineup in Indianapolis. I do not want to watch him, and as an earlier commenter alluded to, you know, make that stupid reaction that he has whenever he's called for holding. Puts his arms like, what? I didn't do it. Dude, you did it. Pretty much all but one time you've held in your pro career. You did it. You earned that hold. And you're not helping yourself or doing yourself any favors by reacting that way. And it's clear he doesn't know what holding is. And that's why I would come back on Tuesday and Wednesday for practice. I'd have Jawan James at right tackle, and I would have Elijah Wilkinson at left tackle. It's time to see somebody else. I think we've seen enough of Garrett Bowles. The fact that he has as many holding penalties through seven games as he had on all 16 games last year, he's in full regression, which is saying a lot because he wasn't doing that well to begin with. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we see this week with Juwan James back, which I expect. I would not be surprised if Elijah Wilkinson, who has not played well either, is moved to the left side. But he doesn't carry on the same way that Garrett Bowles does hey, I'm not when he makes him. a mistake. I'm saying you bench Bowles for him. Exactly. That's what I mean. That's I, Elijah Wilkinson isn't doing all that well, but at least he appears to have better mental composure than Garrett Bowles does. Yep, yep. All right, Ryan, this one's for you from Illinois Bronco. He says, RK... I know you want these young players to experience that winning culture, and they will when we finally get smart and start to rebuild. We don't need to win now. Their time will come. Repeat that. The Okay, Illinois Broncos says, RK, I want you to know these young players. I, I know you want these young players to experience that winning culture, and they will when we finally get smart and start to rebuild. We don't need to win now. Their time will come. I think it's a moot point. I don't think they're capable of winning now anyway. So <laughs> I think uh, you're going to see this team win between two and four more games the rest of the season. and and Four and 12 to six and 10. Yep, that's where they're going to end up. Pretty interesting how uh, right when Andrew Luck retired, everyone was saying, oh, the Colts, the Colts, easy win now, easy win. No, they are... They are as good as ever right now. Well, they built the team around the quarterback. And Jacoby Brissett, is he a great quarterback? No, but he's got the good team that was built around Andrew Luck. And to their credit, they did a great job developing the offensive line. It's a tremendous line that they've got in front of him. Good targets. 
Eric Ebron is what I would like Noah Fant to be someday. We'll see if he gets there. Remember, it took Eric Ebron a long time to really find his form, too. He's on his second contract and his second team. So, so another reminder of why you give Noah Fant some time, because Eric Ebron, they were saying the same things about him in Detroit as they're saying about Noah Fant here in Denver right now. But that's a, that is a complete team. There's a reason why they're leading the AFC South right now, and there's a reason why I think they're going to be in the playoffs when all is said and done. Even though Jacoby Brissett, I'd say, at this point, he's average but growing. They're now starting to lean on him a little bit more. All right, next one here comes in from Broncos fan in exile. Well, that was disappointing. It is embarrassing when the national broadcast is asking where the Broncos' urgency is. It looks like they gave up early in the third quarter. Serious question, does Joe Flacco even want to be here playing football? Because it sure didn't look like it. I know he got hit a lot, like a lot, but some of those were on him just holding the ball back there for way too long or not holding on to it, as the case may be. I was about ready to see Brandon Allen. How much worse can he be when, uh, uh, than a three and out and a sack on every drive? Some of the younger guys look good. Justin Simmons is definitely in the lifeboat, but putting Phil up between the tackles so often seems like poor scheme to me. The entire offensive plan seemed meandering. Is this, on the, is this coaching staff out of their element? On a positive note, I had to travel back to Dallas for work, and they have Breck Brews here. Damn good beer for a damn bad football game. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. And the worse the football game, the more you need that damn good beer. <laughs> exactly. You know what? We've had some Brandon Allen fans here commenting to us on this podcast. I would have rather seen Brandon Allen in the fourth quarter than Joe Flacco. Mm, are we getting there moving forward? Because we know we can't see Drew Locke for the next two weeks. No, but I just wanted to see someone different. I'd... I'd see enough of Joe Flacco. Flacco just looked like he wanted to be anywhere but on that football field. That's Joe. Joe's Joe, as Vic said. <laughs> you know how many outstanding seasons he's had since he got his big contract from Baltimore back in 2013? One. One. The one year with Gary Kubiak in 2014. Since then, he hasn't, other than that season, since he got that contract, he hasn't matched what he did before. Nope, he certainly hasn't. So that's something to consider. Dan Burke, do you want to go more on this? Or okay, real quick, I'm. I can't. I, I heard this all week with Buffs fans too, and I'm just the it, how much worse can it get? Motto is not a is not a good way to approach things, and a football coach will never approach it that way. Of course, he won't. So. But still, I could get I, I want, much worse. Than I, last it's it's Thursday. the old Sam Weiss. Yes, it can, it can always get worse. It's the old Sam Weiss quote. He's he was mic'd by NFL Films during a Bucks game. The Bucks are getting clobbered, and he turns around and says, "Give me somebody fresh, even if they're bad." It can't. He just wanted to see somebody different. It can't get much worse than Thursday night on the offensive side of the ball. You had a strip sack fumble that went for a touchdown right there. The Chiefs scored more points than you. And on offense, if you didn't have two third-down penalties by the Chiefs on that first drive, you would have put up zero points. It was so bad. And you're the only team that hasn't scored 25 points at one point in the last 16 games. So that's the new number. Is what 25. are you clinging to here? Yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I just It can always get worse. The Buffs, here's an example. Everyone is saying, how much worse could it get if you bench Montez? The Buffs? Took Montez out. They didn't really bench him. They just took him out so he wouldn't get hurt because he's so much better than the backups. And on the first play, one backup got injured throwing an incomplete pass. Who knows how long he's out. On the second play, they brought in the third string quarterback and he threw a pick on his first pass. Okay, but it you, can always get worse. But you're going to lose the game anyway. Touchdown. 
Huh? Because you were going to lose the game anyway. I'm saying put Brandon Allen in when it's like 27-6. I'm right, not and that's what, I, that's and what, that's what, what I'm, I'm talking say, like, about. That's what I'm saying is you can you can bench the quarterback, but the reason that you would do it is for their safety because you know they still give you the best chance to win the next week. So, Dan Burke, I think it was Mace who mentioned it, but a signature win on the road, especially one with Drew Locke, can build momentum for the future. Look back to last year when the winless Bills went to Minnesota and were 17-point dogs. The Bills' offense didn't play particularly great, and the team ended up going 6-10. and But yet Josh Allen hurdling over Anthony Barr and other things that gave the team confidence moving forward. That Bills team wasn't good, but you had players screaming, you like that, after the win. It was definitely a win that let the players know that Allen was the guy. And hopefully something similar can happen with Locke and a get-right game in Arrowhead is the perfect scenario. That's a, okay. That's actually kind of the dream scenario for the last month of the season. Involves going to Arrowhead, pulling off an upset, and Drew Locke is your quarterback, right? Can you imagine what that would do for the morale of the entire team and the confidence of those young players coming back for 2020? It'd be huge, and that's why if Drew Locke is the guy, then winning is fine one season because then you're building something and then there's something to be excited about in, in legitimacy and then you also don't need that top five pick because you're not getting a quarterback you're, you're sticking with drew uh, i mean <laughs> you, it's great to get drew in there and he needs to get in there as soon as possible but don't get your hopes up on beating the Chiefs. like we're already setting the bar too high no i'm saying that but maybe that's oh, the dream scenario but I yes. think if you put Drew, let's say Drew Locke was out there starting with the Minnesota game. Minnesota-Buffalo, Chargers at home, and then at Houston at Kansas City. Would it shock you at all if the Broncos won one of those four games on the road? Just stolen upset? Upsets happen all the time. Things go right. The defense plays well. Drew Locke is efficient. I mean, nobody saw Buffalo going to Minnesota and beating them last year, really, I know Minnesota proved to not be a great team, but that might have been the biggest upset of the 2018 season. Certainly by point spread it was. It could, ha- it could happen. It-, it could happen, especially if Drew Locke's the guy. That- that's how it happens, is if a young quarterback comes in and shows that he's the future, then of course you, could- you can pull off an upset. All right, next one coming in from Jake says, Last year you guys made the observation that Vance Joseph wasn't even guessing right ever. Even statistically, he should have been right some of the time, but it just never happened. Well, that torch seems to have been passed to Scangarello. The play calling and scheme seem to always be the wrong choice. Also, sure, the defense gave up 23, but when the offense is going three and out every time and Wadman is kicking 20-yard boomers, there's not a lot of work with it to work with there. A lot of that is probably because strategically placed traffic cones would be more effective than the offensive line. Finally, I don't expect Noah Fan to be able to block Khalil Mack. I don't even really mind waiting for his route running to develop, maybe. But it really feels like a first-round pick should be able to catch passes that hit him in the hands. Thanks, boys. You're doing God's work. P.S. This Broncos season sure would be a lot more bearable if I could watch the Avs or Nuggets on TV. Yes, it would. Mention Wadman in that comment, and I was just taking a look at some league punting stats. And... They're not good for Colby Wadman because right now his net punting average is a less than robust 38.6 yards. Among all the punters with at least 10 punts so far this season, that is one spot up from dead last. (sighs) 
Yeah, that 20-yard punt didn't help. No, nor did having the punt return against the Chargers uh, allowed back in week five. I defended him a few times. That last game, I think it was that last game. No, it was the Titans game where I started realizing it looks like he's punting a heavier ball than Brett Kern is. (laughs) I I don't get what they're clinging to here. I I, I don't understand why you're not having a punt off in practice this week. I would actually like to see that. On Tuesday, bring in four punters. Have a punt off. You know, it's not like Wadman's contract is so onerous that you're going to have all this dead money if you <laughs> let him go. He's basically a week-to-week guy. Yeah. Bring in some punters. Ha- have a punt off in practice and see what happens. Because right now, he's just not good enough. And it's weird. Uh, like, he and Tom McMahon are very tight. And McMahon has advocated for him. But I wonder if McMahon maybe is a little bit blind to the reality of how Colby Wadman is punting. Because he's not, he's not living up to being even an average NFL punter. And in Denver, you should be better than average. And yeah. He's just a guy. I think Tom McMahon's clock has started uh, in Denver. Did you know? You want to hear something sad? What's the worst fake pun of all time? The Colts. You know who the coordinator was? For Tom that? McMahon. <laughs> 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 He's got a couple black marks on that resume now when it, as it relates to fakes. And by the way, you know who's really good at fake punts? Who? Riley Dixon. <laughs> Former quarterback. Got that cannon. Yes. Count Flacula. Okay, here we go. Gents, oh, gents, I think Maya Angelou summed it up best when she wrote a poem called The Lesson. I keep on dying again. Veins collapse, opening like the small fists of sleeping children. Memory of old tombs, rotting flesh, and worms do not convince me against the challenge. The years and cold defeat live deep in lines along my face. They dull my eyes, yet I keep on dying because I love to live. And because we Broncos fans would love to live again, we must do the following. Trade Strap, trade Sanders. Cut Wolf after the season, cut Parks after the season, Cut Gotsis, cut or trade Shelby Harris now. Release and sub- subsequently enact an, irre- an irrevocable damnatio memore on the following players. Juwan James, Garrett Bowles, Ron Leary. Also, I've realized that, A, Scangarello's offense provides me less fun than changing my 17-month-old's poopy diaper. B, this iteration of Fangio's defense can't contain the flotsaming jetsam that is a washed-up backup QB like Matt Moore. Ouch! C, Ed Donatel might literally just be a retired Ninja Turtle. <laughs> D, most importantly, is that the Elway era is over. Plain and simple. Au revoir, John. Thanks for the memories and have fun playing golf into the sunset, but your time has come. If this game isn't an exclamation point on his recent infelicities and total denigration of judgment, I don't know what would be. Am I wrong? Mark my words, this is one of the most humiliating, monumental losses in franchise history. This, gents, is the dregs. Forget Locktober, this is Rocktober. Rock bottom, that is. Thankfully, we have you fine triad of comedians to listen to on the daily, forever yours, The Count. Wow. That was long and I mean, it might have been long, but it flowed like the Colorado River. <laughs> it was impressive. There were lots of guys in there that I didn't feel like deserved it. Well, the interesting thing I'll say, like he mentions Wolf Parks, Gotsis, Shelby Harris. All those, he says, cut them after the season. They're all expiring contracts. Yep. So right. to use the office space parlance, 
That will work itself out naturally. <laughs> Make uh, sure why, it what does. Did, what did Will Parks do? Also, what did Juwan James do? Yeah, cut, he just hasn't him? played, but yeah, you can't you can't eat that. You got to start trying to get some return on that investment. And look, when Juwan James is healthy, he's fine. But he just has to stay healthy. So yeah. let's get him back out there Sunday. Start seeing what he can do the rest of the way. Absolutely. From Aquaman. Hey guys, those tailgates sound great. Focusing on the positive. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Flack Attack says, "Can we start trading players yet? After getting abused by the Chiefs D that bad, it should be clear our offense is not able to score the points needed to win big games this season." I think it's time to part ways with Sanders. Win-win for both sides because Emmanuel can start getting targets somewhere else. Probably smart to do the same with Chris Harris Jr. Do you think Von Miller gets traded? I think he needs to be the guy who stays through the rebuild and can make an impact after the team makes it back to a 500-plus record. Okay. There's a lot at play here with Von Miller, and I'm just going to lay them out bullet point by bullet point. One, his contract is huge. Two, the dead money is huge. Three, he's playing like crap. That's all I need. You don't trade when Where's, the value is low. What What are you getting at this point? What if they just, What What if another team says he clearly just needs a, a a fresh start and Vic Fangio's defense is doing him no favors? And what if they say and now I don't think any of us believe the Broncos can get two first round picks for him. But what if you get a first? You what about it. one and a three? You I don't. Th- I don't think Absolutely. you can get that. I'm saying if you get that call, what about a, a one, one and, a and a five? What about a, just mm-hmm. a one? I take it. And and you know it's going to be from a team picket in the 20s. Yeah, mm. but you start stockpiling 1, 20, 40, 60, 70, 73. Like, now you have ultimate flexibility. You know, you control the draft once you start building up that much. Look, I just um, – something is missing for Von Miller. And it's not the scheme, and it's not – you know, uh, a pair of glasses. He is is missing a flame that I, I've seen from him before, and I don't see the fire in his belly anymore. I'm glad you put it that way because whenever I watch Von Miller, I feel like the spark has died. And when he's functioning, that spark becomes a flame and it ignites the entire team when he's succeeding. And... I just don't see the spark. And the sad thing is, like, his, his the people who love Vaughn so dearly are saying, he's getting double teamed on every play. He's not. No, he's not. He's really not. He's just not winning his matchups as consistently as he used to. You know what he did on the stat sheet against the Chiefs? He what? wasn't there. He wasn't there. And they tried what was to give him. He didn't register. Yeah. He didn't register a single thing. And they tried to get him the matchup that he could succeed. And remember, he's had all that trouble with Mitchell Schwartz the last few years. So they said, fine. Okay, Eric Fisher's out. Let's see what happens when we put Vaughn Miller on Cam Irving. There were a couple of pressures, but no hits, no sacks. There you go. And maybe it, you need a team to come in and say, look. All that Broncos losing has taken the flame right out of him. We come put him in here, give him some wins, and he's back to Super Bowl MVP Von Miller. Is it possible that the Broncos, their struggles are so profound and the atmosphere there is so toxic and not conducive to success that players are getting worse because they're here? Potentially. Yes, it's what I've talked about with yeah. losing culture. You lose and you lose and you lose, and you, you're, you're so hurt after each loss. I saw Derek Wolf say it again, how, much, how painful it is to lose like that when you think you can win. And each time, it just chips a little bit off the block, and you just say, all right, well, 
you don't do it on purpose, but you just care a little bit less the next week, so it doesn't hurt as much when you lose. And, I mean, they're heading for double-digit losses in three straight seasons. Eventually, you start – it just takes it out of you. And I think that's happening, Devon. Von Miller's on track, on pace for six sacks this season. Whatever it is, it's not working. And I don't necessarily see – a a career year for Vaughn next year or the year after when he's on the books with the Broncos because Vic Fangio has kind of put him in a role that a lot of people don't agree with, but why would Vic change that moving forward when he has his Khalil Mack and Bradley Chubb? His Khalil Mack is not Vaughn Miller. So I say if you can get a first, you do it. And maybe this loss to the Chiefs, as bad as it was, will really show that to John, just how far away this team is. I wonder if um, the trade of Emmanuel Sanders can can kind of uh, open the floodgates in a sense where other teams start saying, oh, you guys are selling? Well, what about Vaughn? What about Chris? Right. What about uh, Derek Wolf? You know, are, are any of these guys available? And it, and it just shows people, oh, Elway's finally, you know, broken. He's right. finally saying, okay, we can't win this year. Who can we get? Well, if he starts making those trades, then you guys are familiar with the Kubler-Ross model of you know how you deal with death. The final stage is acceptance. Yep. And if he makes three or four deals, he's hit step five. Next one here is from Virginia Beach Broncos. Start Brandon Allen now. For five weeks now, Bumpy Buffalo and I have been begging, pleading. Finally, last night... We were joined by two others, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. <laughs> Even in garbage time, we wouldn't bench a quarterback with a sub-10 QBR. Why? Before the game, who would have said? Uh, who would you have said might be the better player, Brandon Allen or Matt Moore? Probably Matt Moore. Start Brandon Allen, who looked worse. Joe Flacco tonight or Marcus Mariota last week? Probably Mariota. Mariota. <laughs> uh, start Brandon <laughs> Allen. What's the difference between Scangarello and Flacco? The consensus primary reasons for this outcome. We don't have a sp- we don't have a spare OC just sitting on the bench waiting to be put in. Start Brandon Allen now. What is the difference between Scangrello and Flacco? Probably about uh, seven inches of height and uh, letters in their surnames. Uh, <laughs> next one coming. Just, starting a worse player is not going to help the problem. Yep. Yep. Next one coming in from Bronco. Matt says, hey, guys, this might make me an awful Bronco fan, but I was cheering for this team to lose. However, I'm 100% convinced the best thing for this team was to lose this game. Flacco is not the answer. Elway's master plan is not working. The only way Elway will see reason is to be beaten into submission. I want this team to lose every game until Elway changes his direction. At this point, losing is the only hope for a better tomorrow. Have a wonderful weekend, guys. It's we kind did. of where we're where we're going on. From Bronco Brawler, hey guys, I got a chance to go to my first game ever when we played Tennessee. Then I was offered tickets to the Chiefs game. Glad I went to the Titans game and not this one. You guys got to the important stuff, but what I will say now is I'm a hundred percent sold on AJ Johnson. That man is a beast. I ordered a jersey after seeing him in person, and you are right. He and Wolf are terrifying human beings. My question is what is his contract status? If he keeps balling out like this, I can't imagine we wouldn't re-sign him whenever. He's freaking awesome. I'll end it here and keep it shortish, but did AJ continue to press this guy, impress you guys this game? Thanks, RK, Zach, and Mace. Well, I know they signed him to a three-year contract when they got him. Exactly. So he has this year and one more year after this. Exactly. For cheap. Um, I can't Rookie say contract, a single 
person other than Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons impressed. That's the only person who impressed me in that game. There were some missed assignments for AJ and, in I that mean, game. That is no the surprise. worst possible matchup for AJ Johnson is the Chiefs, which might be a bad thing for the Broncos moving forward. But, I mean, that's what they do is they find players like that mm-hmm. who aren't great in coverage and expose Exploit them. them. Broncos, Brit 73. I didn't get to see the whole game as I was working. From what I saw from the highlights, we knew what player Flacco was. No movement in Mr. Cool. I backed him from the start, but I'm finding I want Locke to start and see what he has got. What do we have to lose? My take on Fant is maybe he and Flacco aren't communicating well, and surely Flacco with his experience can help him out greatly. As a soccer coach, I always look at my vet players to help out the rookies. It is looking likely that I will be in Denver for the Chargers game. Hopefully, we'll get a ticket for my first game at Mile High. So we'll be hitting up the tailgate if it is on. It will be. And we will hopefully see Drew Sember. Also, try those Breck Brews. Great pods, guys. And Mace, you've just added the joy of listening. Sorry for the long comment. Not a long comment at all. And like I said on Thursday night, I am concerned with Noah Fant. Now, am I calling him a bust? Absolutely not. Tight ends take a long time. But being able to track the ball is key. And I've really seen nothing that shows me he's able to do that. Can it be learned? Maybe, but that just that seems like a more innate ability. Yeah, it does seem like something that's natural. I assume you can teach to an extent. You know, start, go have him start catching punts. You know what I mean? Like, after practice. Like, learn the way that the ball travels when it's spiraling. Next one's from Bronco Duck. Guys, you touched on it briefly in the last pod. I genuinely wonder if putting Locke in this scheme, in this offensive line, is a good idea. I believe in Locke's potential, but I don't want to poison the well by throwing him out to the Wolves just for the sake of people being impatient. If they don't get Locke out of the pocket, I worry that throwing him in with this offensive roster might be a detriment. Am I overstating this, or do you feel the same way? Please, please let the Broncos draft a tackle this year. I think Coach, Coach Skang's can work, scheme can work, but it's hard to implement anything if you don't have the big uglies in place to allow the plays to develop. Here's I think, yeah. Skangarello, it's interesting, because I think clearly he's a good play designer. But... yeah. I don't know about him as a play caller and having the feel for games. Yeah, that's just something that's going to take some time. Here's the thing with Locke, though. Are you going to completely revamp your offensive line by next year? No. So what, you're holding, you're, you're putting Flacco out again just so you don't get Locke hurt? And then maybe in 2022 and 2021, the offensive line is better? No, he's going to have to be put in a bad situation. You see if he can play through that. If not, then you need to go get the guy who elevates everyone and it's going to be tough for Locke because what especially if you trade Emmanuel you're going to be down to bare bones on offense see if he can elevate them to more than what Joe Flacco has been doing and see if he can elevate that offense to where you believe he's the future all right we got to pick up the pace a little bit on these comments we have a lot to go Next one coming in from Make the Broncos Great Again says, Wow, that was one of the worst games I've seen from this team in 35 years. I've seen the team give up on plays or at the end of a game, but it looked like they gave up in the third quarter. I don't think I've ever seen that. Joe Flacco should have been benched, period. He is so disengaged. The camera shows him pre-huddle standing three or four paces away from the group of players on the field, looking away, hands on his hips, awkwardly waiting for the refs. Where's the fire? Where's the leadership? He should be rallying the troops, telling them that they are going to march down and score and take the game back right now. So embarrassing that even Troy Aikman said that this was the most one of the most pathetic offensive performance he's ever seen. Ouch. I wish I could disagree. How can Fangio allow such lackluster play? The early two-point conversion was definitely questionable, but that fake punt was horrific. That's all, that's all on him. 
I've been a huge Fangio supporter, and I'm not giving up on him yet. But this was not death by inches. This was death by yards. Death by miles, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I I agree. Like, you're not going to get any disagreement here that the fire from Flacco is not cutting it. Nope. From Alaska Preston, alas, Constradamus is no more. Oh, well, it was fun while it lasted. Yes, I was wrong. It happens. The Chiefs defenders feasted on Flacco the way Chiefs fans feast on crayons, going back for seconds, thirds, and even eighths. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) That's cruel. At least they don't shove them up their nose like Homer. (laughs) Fourteen. 15, 16. Oh, I don't feel so good. (laughs) How seriously do you think uh, tackles should be looked at in the first round this year? Is it too early to have a ranking of needs for the offseason? Not a question, but I just wanted to say, Skanks is just an Italian Bill Musgrave. I'm starting to revert back to my Keenum era tradition of expecting a failed conversion on third down, regardless of distance. The play calling is just that. I got to admit, I feel the exact same way. When a player, uh, like, on second down gets within one yard of the sticks, I'm like, oh, punt. Ready for this? The Broncos are five for their past 43 on third down conversions or something right around. Yeah, because they were two for two to start the Charger game, and ever, si- <laughs> and ever since that first quarter, they've been dreadful. Bronco born, Bronco bred. Better to laugh than cry as right, Mace. I think Fangio was sending messages to John last night by going for two in the fake punt. He knew the team wasn't good enough to outright win the game, while John is still stuck in believing in Sleepy Joe and a misleading two-game winning streak against two of the other worst teams in the league. John Elway is like the knight in Monty Python, the Holy Grail that has his limbs chopped off, but still thinks he can fight, counting on Mace for that reference. Cheers, boys. Let's try a laugh and not cry. I guess the Broncos just have flesh wounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> I actually understand that reference. I do, I do too. Also, the Sleepy Joe reference. Yeah, that one, that one was pretty sly. <laughs> Next one coming in from Hard Rocker says, Flacco is awful. He needs to go. A good portion of the sacks were on him, not this offensive line. You can only stand in place like your feet are in concrete for so long. I'm going to have a really hard time not calling him Sleepy Joe. (laughs) From Nick Scott, do you remember uh, the other day when you guys talked about have they hit rock bottom already? This, this was rock bottom. Embarrassing. Counting the days until locks giving. Like I said, the Broncos are a bouncy ball. And rock bottom, they just keep bouncing up and down and up and down. You hope rock bottom was it, but it might get worse. Yep. Miller Life 58. Hey guys, I have really been enjoying your content, especially amidst one of the most depressing losses I can remember as a Broncos fan. You guys are awesome. Here's my question. What would you need to see from Drew Locke to tell you that he is the guy for the last weeks of the season? Would a win against the Chiefs in Arrowhead alone lock him in as the guy for the future? It's not about wins, losses, stats, interceptions, touchdowns, any of that. It's just about the eye test. Don't you think it'll be pretty easy to tell, too? For me, yes. I think so as well. I know there are some media out there saying, like, anyone suggesting that you can, quote, see what you have behind this offensive line in a broken offensive scheme is crazy or something along those lines. No, you can tell. It, it's not that hard to see the signs that you need to see. Does he have it? Well, uh, it's, it took it's, me one game of Kyler Murray with the Cardinals to say, yep. And, and that was a tie, and they didn't even score until the fourth quarter. But I said, he's accurate. He's has a good arm. He has a good feel for the game. Like that's all I need to see is do you do, do, do you feel it? In that fourth quarter against the Lions when he brought him back, that's the sort of thing you want to see. That you know when the Broncos were down twenty to six, the game felt over completely, utterly. The second 
they got that scooping score, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> How are they going to score enough points to catch them? So, yes, I think it's going to be very easy to tell. And one win alone isn't going to do it. That'd be a very good win. I mean, that would... It would start the jersey sales is what it would do. Uh, it certainly, certainly would. Next one coming in from Vertical Socks says, remember when the Broncos swapped out Keenum for Flacco and we were told that the reason was that Flacco forces teams to defend every blade of grass on the field. Teams would no longer be able to shut us down simply by putting eight in the box. Well, guess what? Teams can still shut us down by putting eight in the box. How can Scangarello not have anything to counter this? He comes out of halftime and runs Lindsey up the middle on the first play. How many times in this game were we in third and long because of ineffective runs on first and second down? I've always thought that Denver's biggest problem over the last few years was not picking an offensive system and committing to it. I would be hesitant to make a change again after this year, but I don't see how they can stick with this if Scangarello does not show significant growth as a play caller over the rest of the season. We know that this system can still work, see Kyle Shanahan, but right now it looks like Scangarello just doesn't have the chops to call it. If Drew Locke had been starting all these games, I I wouldn't – depending on how it looked, he didn't look great. He looked okay in moments and had flashes and then, you know, had flashes where he looked really bad. We wouldn't be wanting to pull the, the cord on him. I, I'm looking at Rich Gangarello the same way. He is a young quarterback. He's going to have his missteps. He's going to have his interceptions. He's going to do some things that look really dumb. But he's also showed us flashes. You talked about play design. He's had some really nice things that have really worked well. He has to learn the game. He has to learn how to call the game in the NFL. I'm going to give him more time. Yeah. The first 15 plays, the script, as it were, that goes back to the Bill Walsh days in San Francisco, for the most part, those first 15 plays are looking pretty good. It's when they go off the script. The other thing I'm concerned about with Rich Gangarello is halftime adjustments, in-game adjustments. That's where it looks a little dicey right now. And here's the thing. Joe Flacco's arm does make you defend every blade of grass but in that game particularly he didn't have enough time ever to to drive the ball downfield and there's part of the equation you can pressure Flacco and he can't really extend plays with his feet he does give you the threat but Joe not just this year but over the past five years doesn't go deep yeah and maybe that's just because the book is out on him don't give him time to do that and you'll be all right it's not as if he's you know can you think of a time where they sent a blitz and he just perfectly saw it before the play, called it out, saw the blitz coming and threw the slant to where there wasn't going to be anyone. No, I haven't seen that once. Bakken Bronco. That was pathetic. No sense of urgency. Aikman made several comments about it on air. That is the worst part about it. It doesn't look, look like Flacco cares or wants to be on the field. Why can't we get fill the ball in space? Call a screen. At this rate, I'm not sure if I want to see Locke get thrown to the wolves behind this offensive line. I hate seeing all the negative comments about Flacco on Twitter, etc. What do you guys think? I am definitely on the side of he needs more time. Or Fangio, sorry, not Flacco. It's not Fangio's fault that Bowles is the worst and Flacco has no pocket presence. When is the trade deadline? Who should the Broncos trade and what can they get for them? Thanks, I've been listening for about a year, but just subscribed after the embarrassing loss so I could vent to you guys and give my wife a break from the misery this team has put me through this year. Also, did the yearly subscription to get the Mile High Salute shirt. I plan on wearing it to the Broncos-Vikes game. Hell yeah. Appreciate that. I mean, you, you pretty much just put our rundown of this pod together about the trade deadline. I think we've touched on that. Um, yeah, it's not time to move on from Fangio. Certainly not. And I, I think if the Broncos didn't get another win on this season, Fangio's probably still back. I think, I think he's done enough to be back. So 
Yeah, he's not going anywhere. No way. From True Champ Fan 24, this game was hard to watch. We could see our O-line had more problems than the Titanic. But Flacco also makes some terrible decisions. His lack of awareness is astounding. Hurts to say this. Trade everyone who isn't in a lifeboat. Maybe even Vaughn. We need those picks. Yeah, I mean, Flacco's awareness looked good early in the season. But, like, the strip sack. How did he not know he was running away from someone that was going to catch him and (laughs) secure the ball? Sometimes you think you can do things that you can't physically do anymore. It's like the mind still thinks you can escape, but the body won't allow it. It's like when you have a dog who sleeps on your bed, and it's always used to just jumping up there, and then one day it can no longer jump up on the bed. Wow, this is just getting really sad now. It might be time to take Joe to the vet. When was Flacco ever able to outrun anyone? (laughs) Early in his career, he had some decent footwork (laughs) to get away. (laughs) He just slept. I remember the watching him scramble years. at senior You're bowl he's practice. He's never been able to jump on the bed. <laughs> right. He's too short. He was decently athletic when he was coming out of Delaware. Again, I remember watching him down at the senior bowl that year back in 08. But we're talking 10 years later, man. I know, but again, <laughs> so it, sometimes it's tough to adjust to the new physical reality. Father Time is undefeated, although Tom Brady's giving him a hell of a run. <laughs> Next one coming in from the Manning Face guy. He says, hey, guys, I can't believe what I watched in Thursday night football. The Broncos have a chance to win the freaking game when Mahomes went out. And what did they do? Nothing. No sense of urgency. Absolutely no energy to win the game. The team just went out there and sucked. The person I have the most to blame and pissed me off most is Scangarello. The play calling was so terrible. It was predictable. First down run, second down run, third down short pass to Freeman, which I don't understand why Freeman is even in on third down pass situations. Another thing I don't understand is why Scangarello doesn't use Philip Lindsay. He's your best player on offense, and they use him here and there. Don't get me wrong. Freeman is good. He needs to look. He needs looks too. But Philip Lindsay is and should be your main running back. And don't get me started on the offensive line, especially that moron Garrett Bowles. He needs to get benched. Enough is enough. When it comes to Joe Flacco, we all know he can't run. He's a statue in the pocket. That's what I expect from him. But it's time for Drew Locke. Flacco is done. Sorry, guys, for the long rant, but I had to get this off my chest. Anyways, thank you guys for all you do. Do you think that Theo Riddick could be more productive than Royce Freeman as the second running back? Mm, not as a ball carrier, but as a pass catcher. They should just use him in the slot. Theo Riddick's my slot receiver if if you trade Sanders. Watching the NFL this week, I saw something that that kind of confirmed a feeling I've had. Tough, the, the, the quote-unquote tough running is really not worth that much anymore. It is all about quickness. Uh, I watched uh, Chase Edmonds come fill in for David Johnson and show more quickness, and he burst off three touch three long touchdowns one of the fir- one of the first guys in a long time to have three touchdowns of over 20 yards in the same game he's shifty and then i watch uh, the eagles like they they're starting running back is jordan howard well at the end of the game they bring in boston scott who's a shifty little guy and he's like biting off like long chunks of yardage and i'm just like the whole like punishing runner between the tackles thing sounds really good in theory but it's to me is all about speed and quickness in today's NFL. It's good when you're ahead and you're trying to get four, five yards a clip to grind down the clock. Maybe that's it. Is I'm I'm just so used to seeing the Broncos play from behind. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, Bleed orange blue. 
offensive line communication. Whose job is it to alert of a possible blitz and to make the adjustment? Flacco, McGovern, the O-line coach? The offense is pathetic, and Joe Flacco moves around the pocket like someone in a banana costume. I don't mind being gutsy with a two-point conversion in the opening quarter. However, it killed any momentum for the offense later. I can't wait for Drew Locke. I can't wait for Drew Locke either, and May certainly can't wait as he's rocking the Mizzou sweats. <laughs> I want it to be Locktober, even though he can't play this month. I'm still trying to will Locktober into existence. Whose job is it to alert of a possible blitz to make the adjustments? It's, I mean, McGovern's identifying at the line, Flacco. Um, it's an offensive line coach, and it's, Flacco should be able to see that. Yeah, and that's why I put the strip sack on Flacco. Yeah. He's got to identify that pre-snap completely on him. I mean, how does he not see two guys coming through the A-gap knowing Philip Lindsay can only block one of them? Phil did all he could there on that play. Yeah, I mean, Phil probably could have had a better block because he kind of just got knocked back, but he at least got in the guy's way. Right. That's Phil's gear as a blocker. It's being obstruction. Yeah. Then Flacco starts running away. It's like, dude, at least just tuck the ball for the love of God. All right. Before we move on here, we've got some stuff to talk about. And first of all, drift car sharing. You want to make some money, and drift car sharing might have the easiest possible way to make some money when you're traveling. Basically, what they do is they share locally owned cars with incoming travelers at DIA. So you skip the chaos and you save on fees when you book. Plus, you can share your car and you just park for free and you give them the ability to share your car to an incoming traveler who needs to rent a car and you get paid. They clean your car, they insure it with Allstate, and you park for free. It's like, it's too good to be true. All you have to do is get past that, that little part of you that isn't sure if you want to share your car or not. In the end, you share your car, you go to another place, you get one of their cars. It's like Airbnb, but for cars. So hit up Drift, sh- Drift Car Sharing at drivedrift.com today. That's drivedrift.com. And here is the other thing. We are having a competition here at DNVR. And in the past, we as a team have never once lost one of these competitions. But now, the powers that be are pitting us against each other in this, converse, in this competition, which makes this a whole, it adds a whole new dimension. But we still are a team in the grand scheme, but we are also against each other. So basically what it's – how would I describe this? Um, it's sort of like a gymnastics contest where you're competing individually to be in the finals almost, but you mm. are competing as a team. Yes, like golf in the is the same way as too uh, in uh, yeah. high school. So, so the three of us are competing against everybody else, but all of what we do is pool together for our Broncos team versus our Avs team and our Nuggets team. So here's the competition. Who can get the most new BSN members? BSN. Oh, wow. (laughs) Who can get the most DNVR members? You go in, and if you haven't joined yet, we know a lot of you haven't, and you're going to pick one of us. If you want me to win, you use the promo code RK when you subscribe. If you want Zach to win, use the promo code Zach. That's Z-A-C. Z-A-C. If you want Mace to win... Use the promo code, well, MACE. M-A-S-E. And, guys, I need your help because I'm sitting here, 
and a room full of Twitter followers, and I certainly have my fair share. But I'm sitting with two legends right here, and they're going to pump it out on social media, and they have an unfair advantage on me. They have way more Twitter followers. So I need you guys. I'm counting on you guys, the pod, to help out promo code Zach. That's Z-A-C, and I'll be your favorite. I, I-, I will love you forever and ever. So and if you hate is- Zach's laugh. <laughs> yeah. What you're saying wow. is pod, sure you pod use- save Zach? <laughs> pod save Zach. Let's do it. <laughs> so it's Zach. Me, if you like my puns, maybe you think I bring some light to the podcast. Maybe you hate Zach's laugh and you want to just be vengeful <laughs> towards him. Then you can use RK. Or you can use Mace. Maybe you've come over here in, in the past few months and uh, you like what you hear and you say, hey, I like the fact that Mace is on the podcast. He's taking it to another level. Reward that. Regardless of who you choose, just make sure you use yes. that promo code Zach. Use the, any of the three of us, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and because we are going to win as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, RK, Zach, or Mace, uh, join, become a member at thednvr.com backslash subscribe, and use the promo code. Let's, we are a team, but I also am going to win. Uh, so let's, let's do this thing together. We know there's plenty of you out there who haven't subscribed, so pick, pick one of us. Don't pick any of those other guys for sure. Uh, and it'll be fun to see how this thing goes. Just remember the three letters Z-A-C. All right, next one coming in from Make the Broncos Great Again. says, guys, when Chris Harris Jr. said it was Fangio's job to say something to rally the troops on Monday, what did he mean by that? A call out on Fangio's leadership? Or is that he is done and counting down the weeks and it's not his responsibility? I kind of read it more as the latter than the former. Right. Like, okay, that's not my job. My job is to come out here and play. Yeah, that's exactly how I read it was, hey, I'm here shutting down, well, trying to shut down number one receivers over here. That's not my job. For sure. (laughs) Next one coming in from Super Bowl and says, can we just talk about the 40-yard catch by Sutton? Oh, boy, was that incredible. I think we found somebody who will be a cornerstone for the next decade. Also, I feel like the stadium needs to get a sound clip of a Raptor for AJ. That would be pretty dope. Hashtag positive vibes only 2019. Just use Zach's. (laughs) Zach, can we hear that? Yeah, because if they use one from Jurassic Park, they have to pay for the rights to it. Oh, that's going to get the fans hyped. That is going to get the fans hyped. Or just get, just get him to record it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, His yeah. own. Just, His little... Yeah, just let him do it. Put it on the scoreboard and you're set to go. And you save some money. All right, from Oklahoma Bronco, why in the flying do we take Phil out after one play every time? Do they not know he's basically our only dynamic playmaker besides Cortland? That was so infuriating to watch them almost completely give up on, on the run after they got down one point. Another thing, Noah Fant? I've never seen a person whose job is to catch the ball be so bad at it. And Cody Latimer was once on the Do team. Do you not remember the Darius Watts era? Oh, God. And then there's Sleepy Joe. Wow. <laughs> I wish I didn't have the eyeballs after that performance. He was hot garbage from the second drive on. I can only think that if Locke was healthy, we would have trotted him out there. You can't look like straight dog poop against a division <laughs> rival and look like you don't care. That was the worst part. I'm just tired of the offense consistently being a hindrance to this team when the defense plays their hearts out every week, much like tonight. Sometimes I feel like the last five-plus years of Bronco football, uh, when the offense started to decline late in Peyton Manning's time through now, are the price that we're paying for watching the best offense in football for about a two-year stretch there from mid-2012 through mid-2014. And then all the records that were broken in 2013. It was glorious. 
It's about the complete opposite, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I'm tired of watching bad offense. Did John sell his soul to the devil for those Peyton Manning years? Worth it. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> you got the ring, right? <laughs> Juan Pablo. Hey, guys, I just want to ask something. Is there any reasonable motive for this team not to activate Locke? Because in my opinion, the excuse that you have a bad O-line is not good enough for you to not to find out if you have a future at the QB position, and I do not trust Elway at all to make right decisions here. You guys on the pod last night talked about who is to blame for this game, and I agree 100% that Flacco and Scangarello really messed up in this game. What if we look and at a more macroscopic view? What about our GM? He's talking about the O-line, drafted Bowles in the first round, gave a lot of money to both Leary and James, two injury-prone players, and the worst part, since Manning left, miss after miss after miss on the QB position, and the last one of those trading for uh, a cone that costs 20 million per year and is no good for this team, brings no fire, plays awful, and seems like he doesn't care. Anyway, sorry for the long post. Was really frustrated with that game. Thanks, as always, for the great coverage and hoping for Drew Sember. Go Broncos. When you break it down like that, it certainly doesn't seem like John Elway's done a good job, but that shouldn't be a surprise. The team's gone six and ten, five and eleven, and now two and five. If they lose on Sunday to the Colts, they'll be on pace for four and twelve midway through the season. Lovely. <laughs> From Ozzy. Hey guys, last night's game was an absolute embarrassment. There's no other way to put it. Ultimately, the blame falls at the feet of one man, John Elway. Now we can skip the whole fire Elway talk because we know that's not going to happen. And whether John retires after this year remains to be seen. But to me, it's clear that if Elway is going to stick around, a new voice is needed in the front office. I'm talking about a general manager, someone from outside the organization to come in and offer a new perspective. John would still be the head man, but it's clear that he needs help and not from Matt Russell or anyone else in his cabinet. Someone new. My choice would be Louis Riddick, a man who just seems to get it and doesn't sugarcoat anything. I feel like his personality would mesh well with Vic, possibly give John a swift kick in the butt that he requires. What do you guys think about bringing in a GM? Thanks for the great work. I love it, by the way. I love the idea, but is that GM still reporting through John Elway, or is John Elway kind of a figurehead? Um, do you are guys, you going to get John to give up all of his power? That's what I was going to say. Do you guys see John Elway staying with the team, but there being another general manager? A lot of people have been throwing out this idea of having him move into a figurehead role. I think John is either the GM with all the power like he is now, or I think he's gone. And I don't think he's gone in really any scenario in the next few years? I, I think there's a chance that Elway brings in um, someone like Adam Peters, who he already liked, already worked well with, and Adam you know, did a very good job. Um, and he's obviously working under John Lynch now as the, G, as the assistant GM. Is that his title? I believe so. Vice President of Player Personnel. I could see that. Um, I would not see like a Lewis Riddick. Uh, if you want Lewis Riddick, you got to fire John and bring in Lewis Riddick. Yeah, and it, that's that's the name to to watch if somehow John's going to stay here and bring someone else in and give him a ton of responsibility is Adam Peters. Another name I'd watch is Champ Kelly, who um, worked for the Broncos a few years ago as well, and now he's with the Chicago Bears. Next one coming in from Mile High Hitman. Feel bad for Mahomes getting hurt. Only wish that upon Tyree Kill. Hopefully he heals soon. Seems like a good guy and fun player to watch, unlike the Broncos' entire team. I really need a big lock and Vic in the box to care again this season. <laughs> Miller Life 58. I don't usually comment twice, but I had to ask since I've been hearing some rumors. What are your thoughts on Manning replacing Elway as the GM? Manning seems like he loves Denver and has a sharp football mind. 
Could that be a good move? Well, if Johnny Bolin runs the team, then yeah, it's it's a foregone conclusion. But then the team's also moving to Toronto. Oh, that's true. It's true. I wonder if Manning will uh, will be on board with that. Some of uh, Johnny Bolin's comments, man. Ugh. That yeah. guy needs help. He, yeah, I don't he really I don't, needs some help. I don't know if he's in a good place. No. Um, it's It sounds great in theory, right? You know, bring in Manning. He's a genius. Blah blah blah. I just, I don't see it. Would you I like? Think, would yeah. you like the move? Would you like it? Of course. I would love it. Yeah. Freaking love it. But here's the thing. I think it would take Peyton Manning probably a couple of years to find his groove because he would have. Maybe to, that's what, that would work because he'd embrace the rebuilds and right. say like, I need three years to get this thing on track. But he would have to figure out, okay, what things can I let go of and trust to others, and what things do I have to have my fingerprints on because. Peyton Manning at first might try to micromanage everything, and you simply don't have enough hours in the week to do that. Peyton Manning's a smart guy, and he has an opinion on just about anything. I want he's he's seen Drew Locke up close and personal. I would love to know. But he has opinions on everything, including like he'd want to have an opinion on when they were playing music. Right. You know, Bill Polian, who Peyton Manning worked for in Indianapolis, Bill Polian during games would sit in the press box at his seat and he would write down when the music cut off when the team broke the huddle and any violations of league rules on when the music cut off if it went too long he would report back to the league week after week he did this because inevitably if you had a home game against the Colts back then a few days later you'd find out that Bill Polian pointed out all these violations of in-stadium music protocol that's wow. crazy but wow. again it's the attention to detail but I'm just saying I want to know if if Peyton sat there when they drafted Locke and said oh my god right John's an idiot yep. or maybe he said solid pick I, you know what maybe he was on the Daniel Jones train and would have wanted the Broncos to trade up for Daniel Jones. Right, I don't want knowing what he knows about David Cutcliffe and, of course, how the two of them go back. How about this? Maybe his brother needs a job as a starting quarterback. Well, for the love of God, no. Oh, come on. Don't tell me, though, that in the deepest, darkest places of your thoughts, you haven't considered the fact that the 2020 Broncos quarterback may be Eli Manning or I take Andy Cam. Dalton. I take Cam. The guy that can't, can't throw, throw the ball. Can't throw. <laughs> but at least he can be like a, a fullback. <laughs> oh, man. Next one coming in from Sunny Rain says, Shout out to Cortland Sutton, who has proven me wrong and is one of the few bright spots on offense. About Noah Fanton, his ability to track the ball. I think the guy's confidence is just shot right now. Fanton Hawkinson were the passing game at Iowa. The amount of targets they saw was ridiculous of the, at the position. I think Fant just isn't used isn't used to not having at least two or three targets per drive, and he's shook. Now he's got boogeymen in his mind. I saw Fant make that very same th- underthrow off target, low catch versus Iowa State last season. Unless his vision has somehow taken a big hit since being drafted, Fant can make those type of catches. Said before, I'll say it again. The NFL is usually the first time that these guys have experienced any real adversity as football players, and how do you handle it? It's a different game mentally once you are at this level. Everyone around you is good to great, and you're getting your butt kicked by the sport of football for the first time in your life. They also have done a terrible job of getting him involved. Like, get him some easy catches. Screen passes. Get him in the screen game. You needed to get the screen game going to take pressure off Joe Flacco and take pressure off the O-line. You needed to get Noah Fant some confidence. So where the hell are the tight end screens? He did those brilliantly at Iowa. Where are they? 
Uh, yep. Really quick, he only averaged three catches per game his final yeah. year at Iowa. He was a touchdown machine, not necessarily a reception machine. And I think in his career at Iowa, he had 91 targets. He dropped 10 passes in those 91 targets, which is why everyone was really worried about his hands because, you know, that's 10%, more than 10% of what was thrown at him was dropped. Yeah. Uh, from Sir Jame Radio. Okay, I'll take the blame. Bowles is on me. I just had to joke about how he was missing. My bad. I'll take that L. <laughs> I was screaming at my TV when they took the extra point off the board. You don't take points off the board against a top offense. Going for two with Phil and not Royce was another mistake. Eh. My hopes of winning the game died there. Even when Mahomes went out, hope for a speedy recovery for him. The NFL is just more fun with him. I didn't have any hope. Guys, I need a hug. Is Garrett Bowles available? Oh, <laughs> uh, JD Fry. What gets the fans back on Elway's side? A full rebuild or keep trying to salvage the team? Thanks. I think if, if John scheduled a press conference for tomorrow and came up and said, you know what? I've had to learn this the hard way and I wish I would have learned it sooner. But, you know, this is my first time ever being a GM. We need to rebuild. I understand that. That's why I've traded Chris. That's why I traded Emmanuel Sanders. We need to start over. I think the fans, it's like, a, it's like a parent with their kids. You know this. You always want to give them the benefit of the doubt. John Elway is the greatest Bronco of all time. Broncos fans, if they have a reason to believe in him once again, will take that reason and run with it. I think it would buy him at least two years. Yeah. It'd buy him the rest of his contract. Yes. In terms of the fans' eyes. So, yes, it, that'd be the easy thing for him to do. And maybe, 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 I'm not holding my breath for it, but maybe he says that when we talk to him after he trades Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know <laughs> that he's going to say I don't think so. It's, I don't just know. say we had to do what was best for our team at this time. We were given an, an offer we couldn't refuse. He won't even do that. Remember last year, Vance Joseph and John Elway both said we were doing what's best for our team at this time. And I think someone followed up with, like, well, how does not having Demarius Thomas make your team better? And then they got defensive. <laughs> Next one coming in from Run Phil Runs has heard an interesting idea on the radio and wanted to get your guys' take on it. I'll sum this one up. It's about Adam Peters coming in for John Elway. Yes. Oh, oh, for John. Not Elway. for John Elway. Along with John Elway. Yeah, I'm on board. Be fine with it. How could you not like it? Did, the, you, but why it, would the 49ers let him go somewhere where he didn't have final say control? But don't you give him the title of GM? Yeah. But he's a he's a vice president right now, even though he doesn't have final say. This is all going to be about who has final say control of personnel. Right, but the Broncos can just lie about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you're Adam. Pe- could- but you're Adam Peters. You're in San Francisco. Right now, everybody loves everything about the 49ers and how they've gone about this rebuilding thing. If you're Robert Sala, if you're Adam Peters, you're hot right now. So why would you go somewhere where you didn't have the final say over personnel if you're Adam Peters? It's fair enough, but they can just lie to him too. (laughs) Yeah, and that's going to go over really well when he starts telling all his friends around like, hey, well, they told me this, but it turned out to be that. I think there's a situation where they would uh, tell Adam Peters, hey, you're going to come in and be the GM. And, and John Elway doesn't necessarily have to have staying power or uh, um, personnel power, but he's still his boss. And, by the way, John Lynch, he's staying in San Francisco for a long time. John Elway, he's only got two more years on his contract. Adam, the question is how, how often do GM jobs come open? They're coming open not quite as often as coach jobs, but pretty often. 
Okay. Well, then Adam Peters has no reason to not wait it out for the best situation with a team that has a young quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. All right. From Blazin 1030. Good afternoon. It sounds like a uh, like a bad um, rock and roll radio station. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the AM dial, so the sound isn't too good. Blazin 1030 here. First time commenter. First, thank you for all the wonderful pods I've listened to over the last couple of years. Like someone else said, I'm finally using this te- time to vent. Uh, while waiting four and a half years if, to see if this team can get it going again. Here's a formula for the offense. Ball out quick, more diverse play calling, no fumbles, no interceptions, potentially more points. In my humble opinion, this is what you get when you hire defensive minds. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but don't other teams in the NFL have both good defense and offense? Sorry to say this, but it could be that the arrogance of coaches and personnel managers is keeping them from learning the best template in the NFL. The New England Patriots. By the way, I'm all for throwing lock to the wolves if it means having a lot more offensive juice on the field. Thank you for all the humor as well. It really helps in fighting through the frustration. You're a fantastic team. Everybody loves the Patriots template. The problem is the Patriots have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Yep. Hard to mimic that. A little bit of a secret sauce, if you will. <laughs> yeah, all you have to do is go get Bill and the next Bill and Tom, and you're good. I mean, the Lions are showing some promise, but they're still sitting there under 500, even though... They've had some positive results so far. Has yeah, anyone made doing... a graphic of Bill and Tom's excellent adventures? <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you think there's a lot of laughing and jokes on that? On what? Bill and Tom's adventures. <laughs> no. I don't think well, so. It certainly oh hasn't my... been a bogus journey, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so irritated with Tom Brady's response to the whole um, Paul Rudd show thing. Did you see this whole thing unfold? No. no. Neither of you saw this? No, no. I love Paul Rudd. Okay, so Paul Rudd has a new Netflix show. You should check it out. Okay. Uh, and in said show, Tom Brady makes a cameo. He walks out of a a strip mall massage parlor mm. as the guy is pulling in. <laughs> and the guy's like deciding he's about to back up. And he's like, what am I doing? And he starts to leave. And then Tom looks in his car. And he says, first time? And the guy says, yeah. How about you? Tom goes sixth and gets into his car. And so very clear what this is a reference to, right? Mace? Zach? Yeah. Very Mm -hmm. obvious what this is in reference to. Bob Kraft's excellent adventures. Um, (laughs) And so then Brady the next day is asked about this. You would think he would just say, uh, yeah, you know, all in good fun. I don't think I have to explain that one. He denies that it has any connection to Bob Kraft, <laughs> says this is classic media taking something and blowing it completely out of proportion. You guys don't even understand the context. That was in reference to something completely different. I agreed to that. Uh, that script was written four years ago. I agreed to it over a year ago. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and blames the media for the whole thing. This is what the media does in wow. today's age. You just take something and make something up out of it. Wow. Could have been a lot of other things he was walking out of. And again, even if this was written a year ago, I I feel it's very clear that the six, where he says sixth time, is in reference to his six Super Bowls. So that means the script was altered after that. Right. <laughs> and if Tom wasn't comfortable with this, he also never said it was recorded before that. He just said it was agreed to before that. Right. If Tom wasn't comfortable with this after that whole thing, which was very big deal, he very clearly could have just said, hey, I, I can't do there that. There was a story I was hearing about Brett Favre. Remember how he was in Something About Mary many years ago? Mm-hmm. And they changed the scene and what he said when he walked through the door on the fly just because Favre's like, well, I wouldn't say it that way. I'd say it this way. I'm like, okay, fine. Be you, Brett, because that's who you're playing. Right. And the scene works so much better as it turned out with 
the Favre ad lib. So don't tell me that they could that they had to change that. That's just complete grade A bull plop from Tom Brady. Yeah, and of course he had to pull the whole media blaming game. Like, All right, from I Wade know. Meyer. So let's talk about the Rich scheme and how and if it fits. I'm trying to figure it out. Is Rich trying to force a square peg into a round hole or something else? To some degree. I think Noah Fant is a square peg being forced into a round hole sometimes. I mean, he's definitely being asked to block way more than he should. Right. Count Flaculus is hashtag McChesney's take on Garrett Bowles. We can only assume it's explosive <laughs> and fiery. <laughs> Next one coming in from Mr. Blorange. Blorange? Blorange. 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 Okay. Do you want to okay. put a French spin yeah, on I was it? That's trying to. Blorange. <laughs> he says, is anyone else scared that Elway won't trade any of our veteran guys this year because he thinks he probably won't be around to use them next year? No. No. Also, I'm just going to say it. I can't stop laughing every time I see Joe Flacco take a sack. He's no Bronco, and that's karma in a pass rusher. He should stay away from the or- from the color orange. Lastly, if we were to get rid of Elway, Flacco, and Rich by the end of the season and replace him with Manning and Locke, assuming he's the guy, of which I feel in my belly that he is, who would be the best fit and top pick for Manning to replace Rich? P.S. Love the cast, and let's keep losing for Locke. Well, then when Locke gets out there, you want to win. I mean, uh, this question. Um <laughs> Manning is the GM, Locke's the starting quarterback, and Eli Manning. Jim Sorgi is the <laughs> offensive coordinator. I was thinking, is Jim Bob Cooter available? All right. Adam mm. Gase gets fired? He might be your head coach. Oh, C.J. Anderson is somewhere on the staff. Uh, yes, Demarius Thomas coach. is back in the building in some capacity. He's just the um, uh, Peyton's yeah. nanny. Jacob Tammy's coaching tight ends. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean... You know, Peyton has his people. Yeah, Peyton's people. That sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> Peyton's people. Peyton's people. The it's story of Peyton's the places. Yeah, the story of the Denver Broncos. If Peyton Manning is running them, <laughs> Peyton's people. Uh, Mister, are we saying are we saying blow wrong? Should we going with yes, the French? I think we're going with All the right. uh, French pronunciation. <laughs> All right. Also, forgot to mention the next time you have the opportunity, try subbing in the word Flacco for the F word anytime you use it in conversation. It is a wondrous exercise, my friends, and I started up. It really helps take the edge off in these trying times. I'll say it again. Let's keep losing for a chance to see Locke, you Flacco's. Actually, I was thinking something this weekend with Flacco's name. Are the Broncos flaccinated? (laughs) I can't flacking believe you just said that. (laughs) Next one coming in from Mr. Blorange again. (laughs) And sorry. His money's worth. (laughs) (laughs) And sorry, wasn't calling you guys Flacco's. Just the, just the sending the message out to the Flacco's of the universe. Oh, from Lone Star Broncos. With the rumors of the Broncos looking to move Sanders, would this likely mean Tim Patrick comes on off, off IR, or would Winfrey actually see some playing time? Well, it seems like probably Patrick, because they clearly aren't happy with something about Juwan Winfrey right now. Something's going on, or else why would he not be playing? And it could be as, as easy as they don't like his production on special teams. Yeah, it could. But what are you doing on special teams right now? Can you get worse? No. As Ryan would say, you can always get worse. <laughs> I don't know. If you can, uh, I don't know. Uh, from Orange and Blue Devils, no doubt in my mind, with the play on Thursday of Sacco and Holds, it's time to unlock Drew. However ready he is, he has some mobility and a pulse. And, of course, we would need to see what we've got. I will actually be in town for the Cleveland game and have tickets for that game. I was so hoping to see Drew start that game. I know it can't happen now since they've yet to activate him, but the sooner the better. 
By the way, will you be tailgating for the Cleveland game? Yes, we will. We'll see you there. Yes. You better bet it. Chilango Bronco, keeping this one short, do you see the Saints looking to trade Breeze at the the end of the season, seeing how well Bridgewater is playing? And if you do, do you see Oway making a Manning-like move? Really quick, Ryan is uh, shaking his head and throwing his arms out. Come on now. (laughs) People don't trade franchise quarterbacks, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Unless they just came off like three neck surgeries. And Drew Brees, he's going to be 41 next year anyway. Now, the question on Teddy Bridgewater is, if they do have Brees coming back for another year, does Bridgewater elect to stay and say, you know what, this idea of replacing Drew Brees when Drew Brees is ready to retire sounds great because I like Sean Payton. I like this scheme. I'm comfortable in it. Well, Mace, you said something interesting, as though you wouldn't welcome Drew Brees to the Broncos, would you? Let's say this crazy thing does happen. And how much are you willing to give up for him at 41 years old, as you said? At 41 years old, and there has there have been some signs that he was starting to hit the wall. I don't know that Drew Brees is going to be Tom Brady with the ability to apparently play forever. And the other thing with Drew so, Brees... So is that a no? You wouldn't it's a no. for him? I'll, there's another thing on Drew Brees. I don't think he wants to leave New Orleans. Right. I think it's Saints or retire for him. I am I absolutely trading for Drew Brees and just such a such a John Elway move. Yet another short term move. Sure, absolutely. But that's the only way that you can instantly turn a franchise around is by getting a guy. And I'm also putting myself in John Elway's shoes. I understand that John Elway probably isn't gonna do a full rebuild. So this is the closest thing that you're gonna get to a shot of something. Because I don't think John is going to accept a full Peter rebuild. King today suggested that the Broncos might be in play for Teddy Bridgewater if he wants to go start somewhere and, and referred to him as a mentor for Drew Locke. Oh, please, no. I like Teddy. I like Teddy B a lot. It's just you can't keep doing this. You could have had no, no. Teddy B. What was it, two Twice. years ago? Yeah. Well, true story. That I told you about my free agent rankings that I did on the Broncos site about a year and a half ago before 2018. And I had Teddy Bridgewater higher than Case Keenum. Yep. <laughs> and some things you kind of go and check internally, and it was conveyed to me that I needed to have Case Keenum higher than Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> oh because they God. like Case Keenum. I'm thinking, and, I, and my response was, yeah, but if Teddy Bridgewater were healthy, Teddy Bridgewater would have played. Minnesota sees them every day, every week. Yeah. They thought more of Bridgewater than Keenum. Yep, that's a good argument. <laughs> that was such a bad, poorly kept secret. I remember Zach and I being at the combine, being like, hey, "Get ready for for Case Keenum. It's not going to be Kirk Cousins." Yep. So oh. I'm thinking about Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Bronco Nugs. Hey guys, I'm wondering because you see the Eagles giving up a first for Sanders and Chris Harris Jr. Like combined? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. And would you do that rather than getting a two thirds? Yes yes, yes. 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 One first is better than two thirds. Absolutely. Okay. What about a second and a third? Yes. Yep. How about two twos? Yep. Two twos for the two of them? Uh, that's where it's getting that's borderline probably. because you're talking about a, a first-round pick that you expect to be in the back half of the first round, so it doesn't have the same value as some of those top picks. Man, you take Ooh. that trade in a heartbeat. You run. And that's, and that's good, good stuff for the Eagles, too, if they truly believe they want to compete right now or if they, if they truly think they have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year or win their division, whatever their goals may be. I think that's a good move for that. Yeah, you get two pro bowlers. Yeah. 
Two Pro Bowl caliber caliber players. Yeah, absolutely. Next one coming in from the original Mario. It says, with Sanders likely gone and Flacco can't get rid of the ball for his life, does it make sense to get a speedy receiver in the future? Also, Mace, can you tell us what it was like when the Broncos were actually good? I forgot how it feels. They could have had that speedy receiver if they drafted Terry McLaurin. Yes, they could have. (laughs) They also could have gotten, what's his name, John Brown. Yep. He had like uh, four for 83 and a touchdown yesterday. Sickle cell trait, though. No, but I disproved that with my reporting. He was cleared to play in Denver. Um, You can find a doctor to do anything. (laughs) Speedy receiver. I I spoke with an expert on on sickle cell itself. Um, Speedy receivers, there's a lot in this draft. You should get one. I think there's good enough players in this draft that a couple really good receivers are going to slip to the second round. So that's where I would attack that position. What was the other thing? Oh, I specifically remember a tweet from Mace four or five years ago in which he said, this is the golden era of Denver Broncos football. Please cherish it. It won't be like this forever. Somebody reminded me of that. actually retweeted that back to me this weekend. Reminded me of that. Yep. Savor it. It won't last forever. <laughs> I you have to appreciate these moments. When they're, they they're literally no one was happy for a second during the Super Bowl run until the second that the clock struck zeros in the Super Bowl. I mean, this this town booed Peyton Manning, Boo, booed Peyton Manning in the offense against Jacksonville in 2013 when they weren't winning by enough at halftime. Booed Peyton Manning when he had a bad day against Kansas City in 2015 and uh, got pulled and then didn't play the next few weeks because of the plantar fasciitis. Think about it. Denver booed Peyton freaking Manning. (laughs) There was a lot of conversation on should Peyton even come back, and Uh. I thought that was absolutely absurd. And should we also say cherish these bad times because they won't be around forever? Well, you you remember these bad times. Remember this feeling. (laughs) So when it gets better and you have some struggles because – Unless you're the 72 Dolphins, nobody's perfect. You don't overreact and do silly things like booing a great team and an all-time player when he's struggling. Unless you're the 72 Dolphins or the 2019 Patriots. Oh, wow. He's calling a calling shot. Calling a shot, huh? <laughs> what if they lose tonight because you said that? It absolutely won't happen. From Pig Tosser 66 hey, fellas. After the O-line, Flacco is our next biggest problem on this team. We are obviously a team whose philosophy is to play great defense and keep games close enough to have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. With that philosophy, you cannot have a quarterback who makes at least one crucial game-changing mistake every game. The margin for error just isn't there, and he continues to do it. Flacco throws inexplicable picks and takes, away w- and takes way too many sacks. This dude is a strip sack waiting to happen. And how the front office and coaches looked at Flacco and saw a guy who was a good fit for the system that we are trying to run is mind-boggling. He's horrible running the boot. Horrible. He can't throw on the run, and he can't pick up yards with his legs when rolling out, and all the receivers are locked up. Defenses know it, too. We have got to be the easiest offense to game plan for. Flacco is a statue quarterback and isn't good at doing things that statue quarterbacks do, reading the defense and getting rid of the ball quickly. There's no way that this guy is our quarterback in 2020. When Drew Locke is ready, he's got to play this year. I'm so sick of seeing this guy with lack of fire and emotion and looking otherwise uninterested as the quarterback of my Denver Broncos. Tired. Time to move on. Yeah. It's it's who he is. It's going to be around as long as Joe's around. And like I said, there's no arguments anymore. There's no conversations happening anymore about this. It's everyone is on the same page. The Drew Locke needs to play 
as soon as possible. That would be week 11. Here, here's the hope why it could be week 11. Coming off a bye. And that's a perfect time to groom a young quarterback, right? Yeah, yes. You know how many fumbles Joe Flacco has this year? How many? Seven. Oh, my God. Do you know how many touchdown passes Joe Flacco has this year? Six. Six. Oh, for the love of God. So even though you don't lose every fumble, still, if you (laughs) add up interceptions and fumbles, he's got 12 so far this season. Oh, my God. So you can't even make the case that he's this guy that can can lead the team uh, if a great team's around him. Because when you're turning the ball over like that, it's hard for a great team to win, let alone a team that's that's struggling and, as much as the Broncos. And there are worse guys. Baker Mayfield has 11 interceptions, three fumbles. Jameis Winston, 10 picks, five fumbles. Mm. Andy Dalton, three picks, six fumbles. Daniel Jones, seven picks, six fumbles. Oh. Jared Goff, seven picks, six fumbles. Yikes. But, yeah, it's, it's, Here's it's bad. Here's the thing, though, is Flacco's the, – the plan actually worked in two games this season. The Jags and the Bears. And then the defense blew it. So he has actually done it, but, I mean, seven fumbles? Come on. That's that's atrocious. So basically he's hitting. It's 50-50. The ball's coming out. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap it up for us today. We just have to get out of here before I lose my mind. Uh, appreciate you guys for listening. Remember, you got three choices on promo codes. You got RK. You got Zach. You got Mace. All of those things should be easy enough to spell. Zach. Don't put an H on it. Uh, but And I forgot to mention, when you subscribe using those promo codes, you will get a free t-shirt from dnvrlocker.com. So again, RK, Zach, or Mace, you choose one. Don't overthink it. Just pick whoever your favorite is, and you're going to help us as a team beat these other teams. We have never once lost one of these uh, competitions, and I don't care if the Broncos are 0-142. We will not ever lose one ever again. So it's on you, person who is sitting in your car right now thinking, man, I should subscribe when I get home. Don't forget. Don't let your wife give you that honey-do list and then forget to go to your computer and pull out your card and sign up. Don't uh, make dinner and forget. You have no excuse to forget. Just pick one of us. We love you. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. It's getting me down Waiting for you the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. 
you won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.